welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode seven. Let's get started. Okay, I'm going to do the recap today. I'll try not to be too long. This is episode seven of Fringe, and it's called Of Human Action. We start in Queens, New York where the police are racing to a parking garage on a hostage call. And three officers, well, four officers converge on this, uh, the top level of a parking garage. And there's a car with two men and a young boy in the back seat. And this one officer orders them to get out of the car. Well, the men get out of the car And he orders them to kneel down and the men kneel on their knees. Then all of a sudden, this officer drops his gun, starts walking backwards. And the other officer is saying, what's wrong? What's wrong? And this officer walks all the way backwards and he falls off the top level of this garage, splat down on the ground. Then we see the woman officer. She is just kind of panicky. And all of a sudden, she is made to shoot. She shoots the two other officers that are on the scene. And then she shoots herself in the head. And at this point, we're not sure which one of the three in the car is making them do this. Those two men or, or the boy or whoever. Then we, uh, the next thing we have, Olivia, Broyles, Walter, and Peter, they're investigating the shooting, and they're all standing on the top level of this garage looking over at the officer splat down on the ground. And they're saying, hmm, you know, I wonder, (laughs) I wonder, you know, what made him do this? Uh, Olivia has a file on Tyler Carson, who was the hostage in the the car. He was identified through um, surveillance video from the little cameras there. And he is 15 years old, and he was reported abducted. Walter says that he's bored because there's no cadavers and no food. So Olivia's telling him, well, but, you know, we're shipping the bodies of the officers back to your lab and stuff. He says, oh, I already know what killed them. He says it was hypnotism. They were mesmerized. They were made to do, you know, this to, uh, to one another. And so they determined that the kidnapped boy's father uh, works in an aerospace division of Massive Dynamic. Ooh, so Broyles says he already has a call in to Nina Sharp, which is going to be great because we love Nina Sharp. The next scene we have, they're at Massive Dynamic, and Olivia and Peter and even Walter, they're being led down a hall by an employee, and she's an attractive woman dressed in all black. And Walter is just fascinated walking down the halls and he's on the elevator. And when he gets out of the elevator, he asks the woman if it's really true what the screen said in the elevator that there were 73 laboratories in the building. And she says, yes. And he just says, ooh, amazing. And he's just fascinated. Uh, They go into Nina Sharp's office where they question this Dr. Carson about his son, who is the uh, abducted boy. And Dr. Carson says that he did not even know that his son was gone until he got a call from the men who took him. You know, and so Peter asks Nina if the men were employees of Massive Dynamic and she lets him know that, no, they've they've used all kind of uh, 
uh, image recognition and stuff. They know their names are Patrick Hickey and Tom Dobbins, and they've never worked for the company. They're used car salesmen. That's what the police reports say. So Nina, uh, Nina uh, Sharp is, uh, says that Dr. Carson performed some highly classified work in the aerospace division. And Dr. Carson says that, you know, his work is his whole life because ever since Tyler's mother died, um, he doesn't know what he'll do if, you know, Tyler's gone too. And Walter's in the background and Walter looks like he just wants to cry. He looks so sad. So Walter looks worried and Walter just jumps up from his seat and leaves the room. And so Peter goes after him and, you know, to try to console him a little bit. And Walter's telling Peter that, you know, he and Belly, that's what he calls William Bell. He and Belly had often dreamed of starting a company together. And obviously, you know, look at all that uh, Bell has accomplished. And I think what uh, a subtle part of what Walter doesn't say is, and, you know, what have I done? Walter seems really, really sad and, you know, but he does tell Peter that William Bell was the person that introduced him to Peter's mother. So that's a bit of information we have. The next we see the men, the two men and this young boy, Tyler. Oh, another Tyler. Uh, they're in the car and they stop at a convenience store. One of the men is gathering up potato chips and cans of pop and stuff. And the other man goes to the register to the cashier, and he, and he demands all the money in the register. Well, there's a bystander, this ball-headed, look like a biker guy. And there he says, uh, hey, buddy, you know, uh, what are you doing? And the man is trying to tell him, look, if I was you, I would stay out of it. You don't know what you're doing. All of a sudden, this innocent bystander, he picks up a freshly brewed pot of coffee. He pours this hot coffee all over the top of his bald head and it starts instantly blistering red. It's awful. And then he takes that coffee pot and smashes the glass on his head. And then as soon as he halfway recovers from that, as far as not being passed out, then he, he, he stands up and he runs and he runs headfirst into the glass refrigerator door side, back where they have the drinks. And he's just, out then. It's really, really bad. So, and then, <coughs> excuse me, the man at the register, he orders the cashier to give him the money. And the store owner has pointed a gun at the man and saying, you know, get out of my store. Well, all of a sudden, the store owner, we see the store owner, he puts the gun down on the counter. He picks up a set of keys and he sticks this key in an electrical outlet. And of course, he's dead. Uh, he's not dead, but he's he's knocked out on the floor. And the uh, the uh, man with the ponytail, who is who is uh, one of the kidnappers, supposedly, he picks up the gun. So we know he keeps the gun. And then they all leave the convenience store. The next scene we have is Olivia and Peter. And the police are at the convenience store and they're watching a surveillance videotape of everything that happened in the store. And they're puzzled, like, why would that man pour that coffee on himself and all this kind of stuff? And Olivia says that uh, the, the victims are all in intensive care, so they can't, you know, ask them any questions or anything. Then Olivia gets a phone call from Broyles and he says that he's uh, uh, found out that these men were used car salesmen. They were the best employees at this dealership. 
And that that morning they had made a sale. Then they took a loaner car and went to lunch and never came back. And their boss had no idea why they would be mixed up in anything like this because they were just excellent employees. So the next scene we have, Walter and Astrid are in the lab and they are discussing what a human brain might taste like, chicken or pork. Ooh. And Walter is using a bone saw to cut open a skull to take out this person's brain because he says that he expects to find lesions on the brain if uh, given the violent nature of the suggestions made to the victims. So Walter said the person used mind control and not simply hypnosis because there are lesions on this brain caused by the conflicting impulses um, of, you know, being made to do something that you inherently don't want to do. And so he says uh, this, this mind control power would uh, operate through the cochlear nerve, which is through sound waves, because an auditory trance is a much more effective manipulation than manipulating the other senses. That makes sense. Next, we're in Nina Sharp's office. We're seeing a lot of Nina in this episode, and I'm loving it. Dr. Carlson receives a call from his son, Tyler. And Tyler says that, you know, he's okay and just give the men what they want. Then one of the men gets on the phone and tells him that he wants $2 million, $2 million in unmarked bills, and then he gives him this location where to find it. Uh, uh, excuse me, where to drop the money. Well, of course, Olivia is really surprised that all they want is money. And she and Broyles kind of look at each other and she says, well, the money is just a, a distraction. So I wonder what they truly want. Dr. Carlson says that, you know, he could sell his house and cash in some stocks and, and you know, raise the money. But Nina Sharp says, oh no, Massive Dynamic will cover any ransom, ransom demand. So, you know, at least that's a good thing. So, <clears throat> Walter, next we have Walter in the lab, and this lab is at Massive Dynamics. So it's, it's one of the labs within that Massive Dynamic building. And he's in, uh, uh, excuse me, he's back in his lab, I'm sorry, looking for something. And he finally finds what he's looking for, and it's a little toy teddy bear from when uh, Peter was a child. But he said this little teddy bear emits white noise, which is, a sound that simulates being in the womb. And so he plays it and it just sounds like a little heartbeat that you, that you hear like on a sonogram or something. And he says that's how they're going to block out these mind control impulses. Next, we are at a warehouse near where the money drop is going to take place. And Olivia is giving a group of FBI agents their instructions on how to capture this boy and and uh, how to be safe. They all have these special noise-canceling headphones that they're going to wear where Walter has rigged it up so they can pipe in uh, this white noise and it blocks out any of the mind control. And <clears throat> so they test that out. Then they all stake out and uh, uh, the money drop point. And we see a car pulls up and Dr. Carlson is already standing outside where the money drop's supposed to take place with this briefcase in his hand. So a car pulls up and the car drives 
kind of passed him a little bit. Well, we learned later it went and parked in the shed. But one man approaches Dr. Carlson. It's the one with the shorter hair. And he he talks with Dr. Carlson for a, a few minutes. And then he grabs the briefcase and runs. Then all Olivia gives the word and all the FBI agents chase after this man. Well, they chased him kind of in the shed. But before they can actually get to the shed, then the... The uh, the man, the kidnap, supposed kidnapper with the long ponytail, he drives out of the shed, nearly running Olivia and all the FBI agents over. And then he runs into this big pipe that's kind of uh, across this yard from them, and he blows up the car. So we know he's dead. But the man in uh, with the briefcase has continued running into the shed. Well, Olivia and some of the other men are chasing him. And once again, Olivia is chasing the man into this one specific shed. No other FBI agents around, just her. But in the meantime, while she's doing that, Peter has seen the, the guy with the briefcase, supposedly abducted a, a man with the briefcase, follow the money. He is running to the shed. So Peter tells Walter, okay, look, I'm, I'm going to help. Peter has his headphones on, so he chases after the guy too. However, Peter runs into 15-year-old Tyler, and now we know that 15-year-old Tyler is the one making the people do it because he's uh, using mind control on Peter. He makes Peter take off those headphones, he says, because uh, you don't need them, no way, they don't work. And then he forces Peter to drive him away from the scene. Okay, and when uh, while that's happening, Olivia has caught up with the man who had the briefcase. He no longer has the briefcase, though, because the kid took it. But the man is sitting on the ground with a gun pressed up under his chin and he's clicking it and clicking it and clicking it. There's no bullets coming out, of course. And he's he and he's saying over and over to Olivia, help me, help me. So we know and I mean, I, I think the assumption is as soon as Peter has driven Tyler away from the scene, the mind control probably stopped for this man. So he'd probably be safe. <clears throat> anyway, when Olivia uh, and Broyles questioned this man right there at, at that warehouse scene, they learned that Walter is gone. Uh, excuse me. Peter, Peter is gone because Walter cannot find Peter anywhere. So they're questioning that man, and the man is trying to tell them that the boy was the one that kidnapped them, and the boy was the one that made them do all those things and made them uh, watch all those people die. They didn't do it. So, you know, they're finding it kind of hard to believe. Then we see Peter, and he's forced, the, the Tyler is forcing him to drive him somewhere. And he's telling Peter, you know, I can make you do anything I want. I can make the pain stop or I can make it even worse. And so Peter says, you know, you do it, uh, you know, I, I do what you say. So the boy then forces Peter to drive erratically on the road and speed up just so he can prove that he can make him do whatever he wants. And he says, uh, Tyler says to Peter, you know, as long as you behave, there won't be more pain. Oh, it was mm, creepy. Next thing we have is Olivia. She has a photos of Peter's station wagon, Peter and Walter's station wagon from a traffic cam. So now they know that Tyler has Peter. And she shows the photos to Nina Sharp 
and she demands help and to know how Tyler is able to control people's minds. And Nina says that Dr. Carlson has been consulting on a pharmaceutical division project, which is a simulation where a jet pilot can control a jet by his brain. And Dr. Carlson points out that the pilot is given a drug enhancement, which amplifies his brain waves. And these these amplified brain waves are easier for the electrodes inside of the, the pilot's helmet to read and thus guide the plane. So Walter asked Dr. Carlson if he exposed his son to any of that drug. And of course, the, the Dr. Carlson says, well, of course not. And Nina uh, interrupts and says, you know, um, uh, family members are strictly forbidden to be tested on. And Dr. Carlson says, but you know, I did take some samples home with me for further research. Maybe Tyler must have found them somehow. And I mean, Walter is really getting upset. But next scene, we see Peter is talking with Tyler while they're driving. And Peter is kind of taunting the boy, telling him, look, do you think you're the first kid whose father didn't think he was good enough or smart enough? Take a number. So, you know, uh, Tyler is kind of thinking like, "Mm, well, you know, because you know how sullen kids are. Next, we're back in Nina's office. And Dr. Carlson says that the drug was designed to work on computer systems and not on human beings. Walter gets real upset a little bit. And Walter says, but the human brain is a computer. It's an organic computer. And then if you add a 15-year-old boy's hormones and puberty, and then he asked Dr. Carlson, was he taking any uh, prescription medications, psychostimulants? And the doctor has to admit that Tyler was also taking prescription psychostimulants for ADD, attention deficit disorder. Walter gets really angry then. And he says, because of this man's inability to be a proper parent, his son has kidnapped mine. And Walter bumps, he chest bumps Dr. Carlson. He bum rushes him. He chest bumps Dr. Carlson before Olivia was pulling him back. I say go, Walter. Anyway, and so Nina Sharp, is 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 kind of you know kind of on the periphery because it is you know in her office and she's but she's looking angry and she's looking disgusted that whole time. So Peter, then we go back to Peter and Tyler in the car, and Peter's trying to you know reason with Tyler, and a patrol car flags them down and pulls them over, and of course Peter's telling uh, Tyler, look, let me handle it. Don't do anything to the officer. Let me handle it. So Peter's very pleasant. Uh, yeah, what did I do, officer? Well, the officer orders Peter to get out of the car and to put his hands on top of the car. And so as Peter's doing this and the officer is frisking him, Tyler has moved over into the driver's seat and he makes the officer take out his gun and put the gun on top of the car. And then he makes Peter pick up the gun and point the gun at the officer. And Peter is begging Tyler not to make him shoot the officer. He's just begging him. And he says, there's got to be another way. So Tyler makes Peter um, hit the man upside the head with the gun and knocks him out. And Peter looks really mean and really disgusted at Tyler, but he does get back in the car. Now, back at uh, Massive Dynamic, Olivia 
is coordinating the search for Peter and Tyler. Astrid is there too with her computer. Yay, Astrid gets out of that lab. But she's in a, a massive dynamics lab too. But anyway, but Astrid is there with her working on her computers. And Olivia is called into Nina Sharp's office. Broyles is already there and he tells her that Tyler has just been classified as a national security risk, a, a, a security threat, and that the fringe division has been ordered to step down because special forces were going to intercept Tyler. Well, Olivia's very upset because she says, you know what that means? They're going to shoot to kill and stuff, and that means Peter's just going to be collateral damage. So it seems that Tyler purchased two tickets to Costa Rica, which he bought before he kidnapped Peter. So they are thinking, the government, they're thinking that maybe Tyler may have some foreign handler or, you know, somebody from outside the country telling him to do this kind of thing. And so they've, they've issued a uh, national security threat. So everybody's out there looking for Tyler. Next, we have, we have a scene where Walter is sitting in a room at Massive Dynamic alone. And he, his hand's kind of shaking and he's looking real sad. Olivia and Nina Sharp enter the room and they approach Walter slowly. And Olivia's very, very, you know, solicitous in my opinion. And she's asking him, okay, Walter, you know, have you, have you made any progress with, you know, how we're going to block these waves, uh, this mind control? And Walter looks so sad and he says, I can't lose him again. Well, Nina Sharp is standing there and she looks really sad herself, you know, and she's staring down at Walter and Olivia says, don't worry, Walter, we're going to get Peter back, but they need him to figure out a way to disable Tyler. And Walter's, you know, just kind of sad and, and kind of unfocused. And he says, but Peter always helps me do everything. I can't, I don't know what to do. Peter helps me. So Nina Sharp bends down and talks to Walter and she looks him eye to eye and she says, you know, I know you're scared, but you're the only one who can help Peter. And Walter is looking at Nina Sharp like he just saw her for the first time or something. And he says, well, you know, I could use an EMF scrambler <laughs> to disrupt Tyler's beta wave transmissions. So Nina's saying, yes, you, you know, giving him a nod like, yeah, I'd get you anything, you know. Astrid runs in the room and she says, she tells Olivia, I think I found something on Tyler's computer because the agents just brought it in. And he's done some really weird research. So when they go back into this uh, computer room where uh, Astrid has been working, then it seems that Peter, uh, excuse me, Tyler has been researching all the women who have died in car accidents 14 years ago. And all the women who died were in their mid-20s, which means that if they were still alive today, they'd be in their mid-40s. So they're all thinking, hmm. And he focused specifically, his last research was on this one woman named Renee Davies. So Olivia goes and confronts Dr. Carlson. And she says, what do you know about a Renee Davies? And Dr. Carlson spills the beans. He says that Renee Davies is Tyler's mother said that she got on drugs and would be gone at weeks at a time. He never knew where she was until one day she just left and didn't come back. 
So when Tyler got old enough to be starting asking, where's my mama? He told her she died in a car wreck because he thought that would be the best thing. And he just figured she probably died from some drugs by then. So now we know that woman was his mother. Next scene we have Tyler and Peter are at a strip club. And, you know, Tyler's having a good time watching the strippers and Peter's eating a steak. And they're talking about, you know, what's happened. And Tyler says that he didn't plan for anybody to die or, you know, for for anybody to get killed. But those people got in his way. And Peter is trying to tell him, you know, but this isn't right. And he says, you know, what did your father ever do to you to make you, you know, want to jack up his company, ask for all this money and a ransom and all this kind of stuff. And then Tyler says that his father lied to him for his whole entire life. Told him that his mother was dead, but he found out his mother was alive. She was living in Maryland and she was some kind of rehab counselor. And uh, Tyler says, so, you know, when I find her, we're going to all be a family again. And Peter's just looking at him like, boy, you know. And so Peter looks at him and says, yeah, but those cops that you killed, they had families too. And Tyler gets real mad. So he causes Peter pain. And you can see him. He's making Peter grip that steak knife. And Peter picks up that steak knife. And you can see Peter kind of fighting with it. And then he stabs this chair right next to him. And uh, Tyler tells him, you know, if I didn't need you to drive, that would have been your leg. The next scene, we have Walter and Astrid. They're rigging up this little device in the lab. And they're both wearing these little foil Peter Pan hats that they made because Walter says that he thinks that they're, they're, uh, he doesn't trust the, the place at Mastape Dynamic and he thinks they're trying to listen in on his thoughts. And Astrid tells uh, Olivia that she, uh, she says that Mastape Dynamics gives her the creeps too. So they're building this device to disrupt the electromagnetic waves. The, the uh, thought process is that they will have a short window where they will wipe out all brain thought and activity out of Tyler's brain for a short time, time enough for them to disable him and sedate him or do something. So, you know, they can, they can uh, get Peter back. (coughs) Pardon me. The next scene we have is Springfield, Maryland, and there's a woman gardening in the front yard and Tyler walks up behind her and asks if she's Renee Davies. And she says, well, yes. And he says, I'm Tyler, your son. And so she hugs him and everything. And then she asks, well, she looks at Peter and says, well, who's this? And Peter says, why don't we all go inside? So they all go inside and Tyler's doing all this talking about now we can all be together. And he doesn't blame her for leaving. He blames the father and stuff. And she says, oh, you're wrong. Uh, your dad didn't do anything. That's not how it was. And then in walks Renee's husband, Seth. And so she says, oh, and she introduces them. And Tyler says, oh, now I see what the problem is. And Tyler makes Peter go into his backpack and get out that police gun that they took. And he points the gun at Seth. And Peter is just pleading with Tyler, don't make me do this. Well, Outside the door, Olivia and Broyles are approaching the house. And Broyles comes in the front door and Olivia goes around the back. And Broyles looks in the front door and he sees that Seth is on his knees in front of Peter and uh, Tyler. And Peter is pointing the gun down at Seth's head. And so Broyles breaks into the front door and he uses a stun gun and he stuns Tyler. Well, 
Tyler falls down on the floor for a minute, but then he takes those, he pulls those leads off of himself and he makes Peter point the gun at Broyles and Broyles eyes get real big and Peter's trying to fight it, but you know, and so, uh, Tyler makes Peter shoot Broyles, but Peter shoots Broyles in the, in the upper arm and Broyles course falls to the floor. And then Tyler says, let's get out of here. And they get in the car and run uh, and, you know, uh, drive off. Well, about that time, Astrid and Walter are just now making it with that little device that they built. And so Olivia meets them outside and says, uh, you know, we got to follow them. They just drove off. So Astrid's driving this little car and she is speeding too. She's driving real good, chasing after this car. And they finally get about 20 feet from um, the station wagon that Peter and Tyler are in. And Walter activates the device. And you could see Tyler, he kind of falls asleep. It, it, everything goes away. It's kind of like he falls asleep. And you can see Peter kind of snap out of that trance. Uh, but it's a very short time. So Peter doesn't know what to do. So he sees his telephone pole and he crashes the car in this telephone pole. And he knocks out everybody. The next thing we have, Walter is leaning over Peter uh, uh, in the grass, telling him, oh, son, I'm so glad I have you back. You're alive and everything. And uh, Astrid is standing right there at, at Peter's feet also. And Peter's asking, you know, what about broils? And the next thing we see is uh, Broyles is getting his arm patched up. And Peter says, you know, you got to be glad I didn't shoot you where I wanted. He wanted me to shoot you in the head, but I kind of made it go left this way. So that's why I only shot you in the arm. Now, the next thing we have, Walter's at home with Peter. And he's he's uh, Peter's on the phone with um, Olivia. And they find out that uh, when Tyler woke up, all the effects of the drug had worn off. So Tyler's not going to do any jail time. So Peter said, mm, isn't, that, isn't that something? He goes on a killing spree and he doesn't have to do anything but go to therapy uh, therapy sessions, you know, for the rest of his little days. So Walter asked Peter, how many crepes does he want? And Peter says, I'm not hungry. I don't want any crepes. And Walter says, don't be ridiculous. You were abducted. Of course you want crepes. And so Walter tells Peter that whenever his mother made them, Peter used to call them creeps. Drove her batty is what he said. So Peter and Walter kind of look at one another. And then Walter says, she was a strong woman, your mother. And Peter st kind of stares off into space. He just really didn't know what to do. Now, the last scene of the show today was really, really good because Nina Sharp is in her office and she's typing a message on her computer to William Bell. And while she's doing this typing, we also see Dr. Carson doing some other stuff. So I'm going to tell you what Nina is saying first. She's up, she says she wants to update William Bell on the Penrose Carson experiments. And she says one of the Tylers did display an ability for mind control. But there were some unintended consequences before we became aware of his abilities. He was able to locate records of his surrogate mother and made a misguided attempt to reunite with her. So she is suspending all experiments indefinitely. And she says that, you know, he was right. William Bell was right that mind control is possible, but given the right conditions. Now, while she's typing this letter and, you know, reading it out loud for us, we see Dr. Uh, Carson, he is pulling a file from a file drawer. 
and he opens it up to these documents. And these are the documents we see. We see document number five and, and it's called Tyler 05. And it says guardian, Dr. Perkins. Then we see Tyler 04, guardian, <coughs> Dr. Carlisle. Then we see Tyler 03 and guardian is a picture of Dr. Carlson. So we know there were at least five Tylers. And they're all the same kid. And they're all the same kid. And so the the last scene we see is Dr. Carlson, Carson is pushing this gurney with Tyler laying on it. He looks like he's dead, but his eyes are closed. So we don't know if he's alive or dead. Pushing him in massive dynamic down this really long corridor. And as he gets to one point in the corridor, these big, huge metal doors close behind him. That's yep. it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's all. Okay. That was a very good episode. I love this episode. It was back to the kind of stuff that I like. It was. We to see a lot of Walter, a lot of Peter, which I, I really love. Yeah, Peter's looks are really good, but I want to get to my favorite, favorite, favorite part. Is this at the beginning or the end? It's kind of in the middle. I just want to say I'm so happy that Astrid got out of that lab at the Harvard University. Yeah, it was good to see her out. That was good. Mm -hmm. And she was actually outside. She was driving the car. She was chasing him. She was helping. She She was doing a lot of stuff. So that was great. That was great. I like that. Well, I liked Walter in this episode because he was cranky mm-hmm. at the beginning because he didn't have any bodies to examine. Or food, he said. Or food. <laughs> and then it was sad when, or, or, you know, when he was talking about Belle and him and the past. And mm-hmm. especially after he heard about Dr. Carson's wife being killed, which, he, you know, we know was a lie. Yeah, it was a lie. But it just looked sad, like he was reminiscing. Mm-hmm. So it made me think about Peter's mother. We haven't really heard what happened to her. No, not yet. And it made me think about this. Okay, so we know from the past few episodes that Peter came over when he was young. Yes. He got, you know, he died. And then Walter went and got him from the other universe and brought him over. Yep. Who took care of him? His mother. So his mother would have known that he died. This is what my thought was. That's his a mother good point. in this universe would have known that he died. Walter went and got him from another universe as a kid. I say the, the, the mother, mother would have had to been in on it right. and knew that he was the alternate Peter. And then when Walter went crazy and ended up in the middle house or was gone doing whatever he was doing, who took care of Peter? I mean, because even in this universe, Peter hadn't been around Walter that much. That's true, but... Which is why I go back to my other theory that, well, which we know is wrong, but I keep thinking that he was a little older. No, he he was not. You already know that. And that's the whole reason, the whole point that Walter uh, told Peter about the crates. And then he looked at Peter and said, your mother was a strong woman. That woman knew that her son died. Yep. And she, like any other mother, would do anything to have her son back. She would certainly not be qualmish about him going to get alternate Peter. Because whether or not, I mean, for all we know, she could be another scientist. Because he did say it was at a conference in Berlin and William Bell introduced him 
to Walter's, uh, excuse me, Peter's mother. She could be another scientist. Therefore, she would already know about the alternate universe and this and that and the other. So, oh no, I, I, would I like think that makes perfect sense. I would like to know where she is now. You know, if she's alive or dead. That may be coming. And, Who knows? Yeah. And um, why she hasn't told, you know, Peter that he's not. Why would she? Yeah. Why would she? Oh, think about that. Yep. That's a silly question. Why would she tell? Well, I just want to know where she is now and then why Peter never brings her up. I mean, it's always Walter that brings her up. Peter never brings her up. And then when Walter, again, this is another week where whenever Walter starts bringing up stories from his past, he always looks at Walter like he doesn't know what he's talking about for a minute. But to me, that's not how He always kind of frowns a little bit like, Well, to me, it's not... I don't take it that Peter doesn't know what he's talking about. I I take his looks like, and especially when he talks about the mother. Right, that's what I mean. I take it that he does not have necessarily fond memories. And I don't mean bad memories necessarily, but uh, um, or maybe he's I don't just, know how to explain maybe it. Maybe he's just upset that Walter brings her up all the time. I don't know. Well, but he has a strange look on his face, though, whenever Walter brings her up and his childhood. Well, I tell you one thing. Uh, the actor playing Peter, he did an excellent job this time because he looked like he could kill that boy. Josh Jackson. All Josh the time. I know. He looked like he could just snap his little neck. You know? Uh-huh. That was so good. It was good. <laughs> that was good. But It was very good. Um, I really liked this episode because I got to see Broyles again out in the field. Yep. And we saw a lot of Nina Sharp. And I really liked that. She did an excellent job this time. And just knowing, you know, when the, the thing I like about her, her is she is so devious, but she is so, uh, uh, diplomatic with it. You know what I mean? Slick. Yeah, she she's just beyond slick though. But she's just uh convincing. That's the word. She's convincing with her little deviousness because she just like, but I'm telling you all the information that we had. I mean she's just so convincing with the stuff. And she knew all, all along, along all along that he was okay, so was he number one? Or no, was he said number three. You said it was yeah, number three. He was number three. Yeah. So we don't know who the first two was. Well, we just don't know who they're with. Yeah, but, that's mean, true. You know. That's true. The, apparently they've created all these same So are, are they clones? Well, that's what you're assuming. And they've all done these the experiment to try to get the mind control. And mm-hmm. they're all with different scientists that work there. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. That, and I guess they didn't anticipate... Because I didn't know if they were all clones or if they were like, uh, uh, um, what, quint, quintuplets? No. Because the woman is the surrogate mother. She was the surrogate mother. That's what it said. That, that's what Nina Sharp was telling William Bell. Right. He tried to reunite with his surrogate mother. So I took it like, it's just like Octomom when she had to make babies, you know. No, but I, I have a feeling that they created the baby. And implanted the baby into several different people. That's what I thought of. Oh, okay. See, I didn't they think of that. They created one, you know, a bunch of different mm-hmm. baby eggs or whatever and put them in. 
into different. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know that. Yeah, we don't know. And who knows if all that uh, story was true about him? Now it's like, was it even true that he found his birth certificate, or did they implant that memory in his mind to make him go, to make him go and try to find so they could see how he could really control things? Could be. But she did say, well, there was a few unfortunate mishaps. He tried to reach his surrogate. So apparently they did not realize. Yeah. Yeah. She said he tried. Yeah. Yeah. They they didn't expect for him to do that. Mm -hmm. And then she said there were some unintended consequences before we recognized his abilities. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't realize that it was him doing all those abilities. So, Yeah. yeah. Once they realized it, but this was a very satisfying episode. Yeah, and I liked how Olivia, you know, she was like, okay, this is not a coincidence. One of your doctor's son has mind control Mm -hmm. going on. That is not a coincidence. It's got something to do with y'all and what y'all are doing. But let's talk about Walter. Poor Walter. I know. He was so sad. Well, first of all, I really like the scene where he had to leave the room when the guy was talking about how Tyler's uh, mama died. Yeah. And Walter got kind of misty. But then when him and um, Peter was there, and, and he was talking about, you know, William Bell and I were going to uh, form a company together one day. I guess he couldn't wait. And then uh-huh. he said, look look at all he's accomplished. And I took it like he was feeling bad because all the while William Bell was building up massive dynamic, he was in the mental hospital. Yes. See, so that's the way I took that. Now, what would be interesting, excuse me, is if they ever went back and showed us how he ended up in that mental hospital. Yeah, I wonder how he ended up there. Yeah, I mean, I what mean, what triggered it? He's we know he's brilliant, mm-hmm. but what caused him to be put into that mental hospital? Mm-hmm. Or did somebody put him there to shut him up? Or that's I a mean, good what, question. Why? How did he get there? And well, William, Peter knew exactly where he was, though. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is how did he get put in there? Because most people aren't, well, I would think most people aren't put into a mental hospital um, voluntarily. They're taken there <laughs> because someone has determined that they're off or, yeah. you know, whatever. So I don't know who took him there. and How did he get there? And see, I don't remember if they even alluded to that in season one. I don't think so. I don't remember that either. Yeah. But, uh, but I really liked all of his scenes. And when he was getting madder and madder with that Dr. Carlson. Uh-huh. Oh, because, you know, your, your crazy-ass son kidnapped my son. <laughs> oh, he was hot. No, he said, your lack of parenting. <laughs> caused yo. your son to kidnap my son. Uh-huh. Oh, that was good. And he was getting, you know, I wonder if Olivia would have been a little slower, would Walter have beat him down or something? <laughs> Because he was right on him. He was on him. He was at least going to push his butt over. I thought that was great. He was at least going to push him over. I just really like the fact that this whole, other than when Walter went back to his lab to get that toy. Yeah. The whole thing took place at Massive Dynamics. Yeah. No, they were all in massive right, dynamic right. or at the warehouse or, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, so somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I like that too, because it's good to get away from where they're always at. Yep. And it's good to see them out somewhere mm-hmm. doing something, doing their stuff. But it was great seeing Astrid. I'll 
outside that lab. And and she was using her skill. Her skill is the, the computer stuff. She helps Walter, too, with all that nasty stuff, you know. But it reminded us that she's not just a lab tech. She's right. an FBI agent right. also. Right, she is an FBI yeah, agent. which is mm-hmm. good. Which is good yep. to see that. Yep. And that scene where they're doing the autopsy was nasty. Wasn't that gross? And they talking about, does it taste like chicken? No, he was talking about, well, chicken or maybe pork. She's like, well, that's not what I was asking. I know. He says, but that's just a hypothesis. Why did you ask me that question? <laughs> that was really good. But it was also funny, too, when they were in the lab building that gizmo and they had them Peter Pan foil hats on. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, that reminded me of um, two movies, Independence Day. Why? Because in Independence Day, there's a scene where um, the – Spaceships first come, and Randy Quaid's character—he has kids, and they all put on little foil hats. Oh, that's right. And then yep. in Signs, that movie with Mel oh, yeah. Gibson, yeah, they put on the foil hats, thinking that. So it was really cute. And when Walter said, well, "I don't, I don't," I think they're trying to listen to my brain, my thoughts. Yeah. And, then, and she looks at Ashley like, "Okay, so what's your reasoning?" Yeah. Because I already know Walter's off. Yeah. She's looking at Ashley like, okay. And, and she Ashley's says, like, well, I don't trust him either. Yeah, she says, Massive Dynamics gives me the creeps, too. Yeah, gives me the creeps. And, and I, I just was, was wearing them like women. I was, I was sitting there thinking, hmm, she's more like Walter than we know, you know. And I'm thinking, and, well, and, and let me tell you, at the end when, when uh, Peter crashes the car, and then the next scene, Walter is you know, kneeled down by Peter and, you know, shaking him, trying to, you wake know, him uh, yeah. wake him up and everything. And Astrid is standing at his feet. And I was sitting there thinking, hmm, they might be all related. Well, that's what some of our listeners have said mm-hmm. in their emails. Because mm-hmm. they're they getting closer and closer. Well, I, I, th- I thought of it like, well, you know, Walter is kind of off, but he is brilliant. He and is. Just in case he's a little bit correct, I'm going to put me on a foil hat, too. Oh, yeah. I want to. Just in case he just knows what he's talking case. about. Because he seems to know what he's talking about. It it was a, a real funny scene, too, when they were in the warehouse and Olivia had just given them the, uh, all the uh, FBI agents their instructions on what to do. And she says, now, Dr. Bishop is going to, you know, tell you how to operate these um, headphones. And he said, Walter is just funny. He's he's going into the whole scientific thing about, my name is Dr. Walter Bishop, and these are noise-canceling headphones. And, and he's going through all this stuff, and Peter interjects and says, this is going to keep him from controlling your mind. Now put them on. <laughs> put them on. But I liked when Walter said, don't take them off or you're going to die a horrible death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have a nice day now. Thank you. Oh, yeah, Walter is just the best character. He is just is. so, is. so good. So, And um, like you said, Peter Jackson, who plays, or Joshua Jackson. Joshua. Peter, uh-huh. He, in the whole episode, was so good showing that conflict when oh, absolutely. Tyler was taking control of him, of how he did not want to do whatever he was making him mm-hmm. do. And so I just love that. That was very good, though. I love that was that. very good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Very good acting, so. Okay, well, we had um, an email. Oh, cool. Uh, or two mm-hmm. about Fringe. Okay. And uh, the first one is from Zelnetta. Hey, Zelnetta. She says, hello, sisters. Um, I can't. She's like, I've decided to start watching the new season of Fringe. I was going to watch all of season one first, but because 
because I thought I'd be lost if I didn't. Uh-huh. But I'm just going to dive into season two so yeah. that I can follow along with your podcast. I hope they don't start a romance between Olivia and Peter. Mm-mm. I like them both individually, but I don't need to see them as a couple. Mm-mm. I'll be watching and will be sure to send in my two cents. Take care of yourself, Zelnetta. Hey, Zelnetta. Short thank, and sweet. Thank you for that email. You know what? I agree, too. I, I do not want to see that. No, I don't either. I do not want to see that. You know, she cares about him as any friend or like a brother and, and him, her, too. But, yeah. I, ooh, I hope they don't ever do that. I hope not either, because mm-hmm. that kind of just ruins I stuff think so, to me. too. And, you know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Our next email is from, his name is, well, he signs off Zero Fights. Okay. He says, hi, sisters. I just recently found your podcast and trying to catch up. By the way, this is Zero Fights, and I'm from London. And yes, I am a big fan of Fringe. Hmm. I just want to say something on William Bell. I suspected that he might possibly be dead for many reasons. First is that in this episode, we found out from Nina that he is not replying back. True. Second is the news on Leonard Nimoy that he may not be doing another episode of Fringe. That's true, I, too. Yeah, we've been reading about that. Yeah, I've heard that. Upsetting. And third, we know that the shapeshifters are after Olivia in the first few episodes of season two because she happened to have information on the Omega Man. And we also know that whoever is pulling the strings in the alternate universe knows that Olivia got the information from William Bell. If the alternate universe has a team of shapeshifters who are after Olivia in our world, I think it is not impossible for them to have a team after William Bell. So what do you think of that Zero Fights? Uh, thank you for that email, Zero Fights. I think that's an excellent observation because, yeah, they definitely probably would have one looking for him. Yes, and you know, um, I think after Momentum Deferred, that episode, we mentioned, or I thought about the fact that William Bell might be dead in this universe. Yeah. Just because of that whole cryogenic thing, I kept thinking mm-hmm. through the whole episode, they're looking for William Bell's head, but and then at the end, that threw my whole theory out, so I don't think I mentioned it, but mm-hmm. I just kept thinking that maybe that was the head they were looking for. But I thought he mentioned, I thought William Bell mentioned in his um, uh, uh, discussion with Olivia that he could... He has been back and forth so many times he could not survive or something like that. No, he didn't say that. He said that he can count on his hand the number of people who've been mm-hmm. between universes and it affects each person differently. He said he cannot return, return to that universe yet and he doesn't know if he ever will be able to. Okay, Which made me said. think maybe he is cryogenically frozen and maybe he can't come back because they haven't figured out the technology yet to reanimate people yet. Mm-hmm. Well, that was just my thought, but it it would be kind of cool if that's what the case was, mm-hmm. how you can be dead in one universe mm-hmm. and in the other one be alive and still be trying to maneuver things. Well, and, you know, speaking of Leonard Nimoy playing that part, what I heard was, is that he had a discussion with the uh, writers because he didn't like the, he didn't like the way the character of William Bell was going. So I don't know what that means. But, so, he may not be doing it again. But it seems to me, can't they do just like they do soap operas? 
and just put a little thing at the bottom? No. The part of William Bell is now being played by such and such and such? No, because that's going to take it away. I mean, we spent all season trying to, last season, trying to figure out who William Bell was, waiting to see who William Bell is, and we get this great, exciting, cool reveal that it's going to be Leonard Nimoy. So we get him, he's wonderful in the part, mm-hmm. and for him to not, I mean, to have future scenes with William Bell played by someone else is going to be off. Well, but then they got to kill him off. Off. Mm-hmm. No, they need to negotiate with his butt and get him <laughs> back on the show. Whatever you want. Yeah. Or they need to hurry up and film whatever they think they might want him to do now <laughs> while yep. he's feeling good. Yeah. And then go, and then later, you know, do whatever, but... I mean that's that's disheartening to hear that, but yeah, that's where it goes. So I mean, people have. I mean, if he's not into doing acting anymore, mm-hmm. that he's just not into it. But yeah. but I mean, that is a good theory that William Bell is dead in the current universe or in their universe. Yeah, I and think I'm that's not sh- we're not sure yet what the ship shapeshifters. We know they're gathering up for this coming storm. Right. But now we didn't talk about the previews for next week. No. And the previews for next week are going to center on the observers. Thank goodness. Yeah. But you know what? Now, for the observers to be doing nothing but observing, how come one of them shooting somebody with a gun? And do we know that there's more than one? Yes. Oh, we do. I think I think there's more than one. I think so too. Yeah, but one of them is shooting somebody well, with a gun. That's the thing, you know. In the commercial, I think it says, "Are they good or are they are they just observing or now they starting to act take out action. and stuff?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what they what are they taking action for? Don't know. And it looked like Walter. Of course, he knows about them, but he's looking like guilty because he doesn't want to say anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Walter knows a whole lot. He knows. Stuff. Police. He's just not saying. And he can always get away with it by just pretending like, you know, I don't remember. I remember or, that. or, you know, he's having a little mental bout or something. So, Well, I, I really like this episode. And yeah. I'm, it had a lot of stuff in it. A lot of action. It was really good. A lot of interaction with all the characters. And it was great to see them all together. together. Mm-hmm. We know we have at least another... You know, next week's episode, and then after that, I don't know how, if it's going to just take the whole... Well, Thanksgiving week, we there won't be one. No. It'll be, you know, we the holiday week. stuff. And the week after Thanksgiving... Uh, I think we talked about that last time. Yeah, I think there is going to be one more after the week of Thanksgiving. Hopefully so, because I'm wanting to get into more of the... I want them to go back to... The momentum deferred information with the shapeshifters and that cryogenic head that they reattached. Yeah, the, the, I want to know what that's something all about. With that because yeah, yeah I want to see Curtis mm-hmm. again. See what's going on, <laughs> Smith. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to that. Curtis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that was all the feedback we had. Okay. And if y'all would like to send us a comment. Please do so at sisterspeak at gmail.com. Our voicemail line is 972-692-7341. And our website is sistersinreview.com. That's it for now. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next week.